Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, meet me at verse 8, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. And then we'll skip to 11 and 12. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. But for the next two weeks, I'm going to break off a bit And I have an important message I want to talk to you about today, and then we'll jump into it tomorrow. Matter of fact, I want to answer this question today. Why do I need a pastor? Why do I need a pastor? And we're going to talk about that today. And next week, I plan on talking about why do I need a church? Why do I need a church? And if we look at Ephesians 4, verse 8, Jesus says, therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, Paul wrote this and and he's saying that Jesus gave gifts to men. And look at verse 11, the gifts that he gave. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I want to pause here for a second and understand that if we ask this question, why do I need a pastor? And some people have asked this question. Matter of fact, I've had this question asked. I've talked to other pastors. They've had this question, especially in this day and age where people are no longer going to church like they used to go to church. People are no longer having a pastor like they used to have a pastor. I read a stat here recently that the, the lowest numbers ever, uh, that, that in percentage that people are saying now is that they do not believe in God. 80, something like 81% of people now say they believe in God. Uh, 20 years ago, that was in the 95, 96 range. And so as we go on, people are no longer believing in God. They're no longer believing in pastors. They're no longer believing in being a part of a church. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But if you ask the question, why do I need a pastor? Respectfully, I want to respond that you are asking me and I'm the wrong person to ask. You need to ask Jesus, why do you need a pastor? Because Jesus gave gifts. And he gave the pastoral role as a gift to humanity. And so we need to ask Jesus, why do I need a pastor? And we, we see in Ephesians chapter 4 that not only do you need a pastor, you need an apostle, prophet, evangelist, and a teacher. Why? For the equipping of the saints. That word equips means to prepare, to train, to mature, and to make fully qualified. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So a a pastor should equip you so that you can do the work or the duty of task of ministry. Watch this for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And so there must be a training process that takes place that causes you to grow up, to be built up, to be edified so that you can go out and do the work of ministry. And if you continue to read Ephesians 4, it talks about unity in the body, so on and so forth. I encourage you to read the entire chapter of Ephesians 4. Now, in this Ephesians 4, the word pastor, this is the only time the word pastor is translated pastor, this Greek word. All the other times in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, the word pastor or the Greek word for pastor is translated as shepherd. Shepherd. And so 
we only see pastor in Ephesians 4, but any other time in scripture, it is translated as a shepherd. So a pastor is a shepherd. Say this out to me. A pastor is a shepherd. Now, in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, take a look here. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now watch this. They were like sheep not having a shepherd, or you could say they were like sheep not having a pastor. And so Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitude and he said, this is a lot of people who don't have a shepherd or who don't have a pastor. And so what did he do? He began to teach them many things. And I believe he began to say, I need to give gifts to humanity. And one of the gifts I need to give to humanity is a pastor. And so Jesus saw sheep without a pastor and he began to teach them. He began to train them and he began to instruct them. In John chapter 21 and verse 15, John chapter 21 and verse 15, it says here, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he says, and he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he says the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, as I was reading this, uh, full disclosure, I told Stacy, I said, oh, I, I, I grabbed my Bible and I grabbed my concordance. I grabbed my commentary. I said, the first time he said, feed my lambs. The second time he said, tend my sheep. The third time he said, feed my sheep. There's something deep here. And I got to going and going. I found out later, I guess I'm not a farmer, but I found out later that a lamb is just a baby sheep. <laughs> I thought there was some deep revelation going on here. But a lamb is simply a baby sheep. And so he said, feed my babies, feed my youngins. And then he says, tend my sheep or take care of my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. And so Peter is a pastor. Matter of fact, in Matthew, you remember Jesus said, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church. He's talking to Peter there. I will build my church. Peter is a pastor and he's telling, Jesus is telling him after uh, he has resurrected and Peter, we know, denied him three, three times and he came and he showed up to Peter uh, this time and says, listen, three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus' response was, feed, tend my lambs and sheep feed my sheep. And so a pastor is a caretaker. A pastor is a caretaker and you need to be taken care of. You need someone watching out for your soul. 
You need someone that can help you and to train you and to teach you and to take care of you. And this is a gift that Jesus gave to you. This profession is a gift that the Lord Jesus himself said you need. And I want to give you a pastor as a gift. And too often people do not have a pastor and people do not have a consistent church that they will commit to. Yeah, they might turn on the radio or they might turn on a podcast and listen to a man, but that may not be their pastor. They may not ever go to church. And I read some stat here recently that spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers, seven out of ten of them are not a part of any church. Seven out of ten are not a part of a church. They don't have a pastor. They're not a part of the community. But, oh, I love God and I speak in tongues, but I don't have anyone that's going to take care of me. I don't have anyone that's going to consistently feed me. I don't have anyone that's going to consistently watch out for my soul. Now, in Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 4, Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 4, this is what Jesus said to bad pastors. You know, there are some bad shepherds and some bad pastors. And Jesus said, woe to the shepherds or woe to the pastors who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Therefore, says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds or the pastors who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock and all of the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their folds. And there shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds or pastors over them to feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Now, I want you to understand when Jesus is talking to these shepherds, he's not talking about guys that are out there in the field holding a stick, dressed kind of funny and saying, these guys over here shepherding, woe to you. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about leaders and pastors of congregations. Woe to you, those of you that scatter the sheep. And I've found out that bad pastors scatter, but good pastors gather. Bad pastors scatter, but good pastors gather. And the scatter, one way that a bad pastor will scatter is he would cut off parts of the body of Christ that he doesn't agree with, such as talking against churches, talking against other ministries, talking against people that he disagrees with. That is a scattering method. But good pastors try to gather. They try to get people together because a good pastor is after the uh, health and the increase and the fruitfulness of their community. And so in a community, a pastor should be gathering, and as he gathers people together, he should be teaching them, feeding them, and taking care of them. And I want you to know this. There are times, as a good pastor, that I have defended you. There are times that you may not know about, and I would never tell you, that I've had to protect you. There are times I've had to tell people they cannot come in this church because of their agenda or their way of thinking or their way to try to come in and scatter the sheep. 
There are people that are no longer with us that should not be with us anymore because I've had to handle some things as your pastor. I will never tell you details. I'll never tell you who did what and what did what and what happened to who and that that sort of thing. But they had to be handled because I'm a pastor that has to look out for the flock. And I do want to apologize to you on behalf of all these bad pastors. Some of you have dealt with spiritual hurt, bad pastoring, controlling pastoring. Pastors that have beat you and, and whipped you and, and taken advantage of you. I'm sorry. I truly am. I've been in situations that have been parts of being a part just of bad pastoring. And I'm sorry that has happened. But Jesus says, I will set up in this passage. I'm going to set up for you pastors that are good pastors who will feed you and you will be fruitful and you will increase. You don't know some of the battles that I've had to fight for you. And that's okay. That's my role as a pastor. You don't know some of the friendships and relationships I had to break for you. And that's okay. That's part of my job. I want to be a good pastor. But there have been bad pastors that have hurt you. And I want to apologize on behalf of them. They may not ever apologize to you, but on behalf of them, I'm sorry. I apologize that you've had to experience that, but I want you to know Jesus has set up good pastors for you. There are good, there are good men and women of God that want to look out for your soul. They want to take care of you and they want to feed you. And and I I have to say this before we go to the next verse. And, And the number one role that I have is to make sure that I am feeding you the word of God. Every time I open my mouth, I am trying to feed you God's word. There's nothing more better than I can do for you than to hear God and feed the word of God to you. Um, We've had people no longer be a part of our fellowship because uh, feeding of the word was not important to them. The good worship, good fellowship wasn't important. A personal relationship with me was important to them. They couldn't get it, and so they left. That's not part of my job description to have personal relationships with everybody in the church. Come on, somebody. You have friends for that. Let me say it again. You have friends for that. I need to be your pastor. I don't need to be your friend. I thought I'd get more amens than that, but I'm telling you the truth. You got a friend. I don't need to be your friend. You don't want me to be your friend. You want me to be your pastor. And we've had people leave. Well, I I wanted a personal relationship with you, and you didn't afford that to me, so I'm leaving. Uh, uh, What did did the young kids say today? Bye, Felicia. I mean, you you got to go. You, you got to go because that's not a part of my job description. My job description is to feed you the word of God, to bring a life-giving word to you that will cause you to fight the battles that, that the enemy has set up for you so that you can be victorious, so that you can win, and that so that you can be people that are experiencing true life. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. It's true. 
It's true. We, it, it's, we've had people um, no longer with us because, well, pastor, you didn't require, you didn't require masks when, when we're going through the pandemic. We had people leave because I did require masks on both sides. Uh, listen, I have to be a leader. I have to hear from God. I'm not trying to get everybody to agree with me. Let me say it again, because I'm not scared of y'all. I am not trying to get anybody to agree. I'm trying to lead a flock of people in a direction that God would have us go. So whether you disagree with a mask or not a mask, that's your your, your prerogative. I'm trying to feed you the word of God and lead you into a place that God wants us to go. And so you, you, I, I can't win for losing. When I said the time, uh, everybody wear masks, we had people leave the church. When I said, take your mask off, we had people leave the church. I can't win for losing. But I'm going to get up here and I'm going to pastor you and I'm going to do my job, which is to preach the word of God to you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to instruct you and I'm going to defend you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Now, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1 through 3, listen to this. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds or the pastors of Israel and prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God to the shepherds, the pastors. Woe to you pastors of Israel who feed themselves. Should they not pastor the and feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. A bad pastor does not feed the flock. Uh, A bad pastor simply looks out only for himself. He's looking out for his reputation, for himself. He's, uh, He's not feeding you the word of God. Matter of fact, he's he has a cotton candy type of message. Um, a happy meal type of, come on, somebody, come on, come on, come on. And then you leave there unfed and unfit for the battles. You leave there uh, broken, busted, and disgusted. And somehow, some way, he has fed himself. And we leave there saying, "Woo, pastor preached today. Oh, hell, he preached. What did he preach about? I really don't know. But I'll tell you what, that organ was hot. And, uh, and man, and them drums were kicking. And man, we had church today. Well, ultimately, if you didn't leave fed, then that pastor did not do his job. We should be feeding you. Matter of fact, when we open up the scriptures as pastors, you should be seeing things that you haven't seen before. That's the anointing on being a pastor. I remember one time Thomas asked me here on the front row and he said, man, there are things in scripture that you see I've never seen before. I said, Thomas, it's simply because the anointing of pastor is on me and I'm supposed to see things. It's not me. It's the anointing that's on me to see some things in the pastor scripture that you don't see so that we can unveil it so that you can then begin to see it. This is why it's so silly when people say, well, I don't, I don't need to be fed. I feed myself. That, that, that's one of the, the most immature things that could ever be said. Matter of fact, one of my kids, I ain't going to tell you which one, but I got four of them. So you, you got a 25% chance to get which one's right. <laughs> but one, one of my kids said to me uh, recently, um, I don't need to be taught that I'm going to teach the teacher. This is what the kids said. I don't need to be taught that I'm going to teach the teacher. And I had to sit this particular person down 
and let them know that's the most idiotic, immature statement that you could ever make because you need to be taught. You're not going to teach the teacher and you're, and then this particular, so I'll teach myself. You're not going to teach yourself either because you need to be taught. Matter of fact, some of the professionals, matter of fact, not some, all professionals in any industry you think of has a teacher. They have a coach. They have someone that is helping them get better and get better. But here's what we do. I don't need to go to church here at work. I heard somebody say, I don't need to work because that pastor ain't talking about nothing I need to hear. Well, maybe the churches he was going to, that was true. And I told him that. Maybe the churches you're going to is true. He's talking about something you don't need to hear. But if you go to a life-giving church, a pastor that's preaching the word, you need to hear what's being taught. You need to hear it because things will be revealed and you'll begin to see things that you've never seen before. In Jeremiah 3, chapter 3, verse 15, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, he says here, and I will give you shepherds, pastors, according to my heart. Thank God that he will give us pastors according to his heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I want to reiterate one more time. What is the pastor supposed to do? Feed. He's supposed to teach you, feed you, watch over you. Is he supposed to be your best friend? No. Is he, is he supposed to go to your house? We had, we had a, a, a couple leave the church because I didn't go over to their house to eat dinner. Well, you want me to bring all my kids and over? You can't handle all of that. There's a lot going on. Well, you didn't come over and eat dinner. I told you I wasn't coming. Well, I'm leaving the church. That's not my role. That's not my, that's not my job description to come over everybody's house and eat. I hope I'm not hurting your feelings, but uh, get your toes stepped on. That's not the job description of the pastor. Now, thank God if you invite him and he comes, glory to God, that's, that, that could be a good thing. But there's too much pastor abuse. Pastor got to run over everybody's house. He got to run over everybody's car. We had a guy recently, I'll never forget, we were standing right here, and he wanted to join the church. And he said, Pastor, I need to know, would you come to the hospital if I go to the hospital? I said, you know what I said to him? I don't know. Some of y'all look at what? What? I said, I don't know. I said, what you got going on? He said, well, my, I left my last church because he said he wouldn't come to the hospital if I was in the hospital. Is that in the pastor job description? To go to the hospital every time everybody goes to the hospital. That's, that's not in his job description, but it's a good thing. But it's not a requirement. And I said, and I told him, I, I was glad. I said, so, I said, man, I said, I don't know. He goes, well, um, I said, I don't know. I said, I will tell you this. Um, someone from our team could be there. I also said to him, and it, depending on the severity of what you're going through, I could be there. But if you got a little outpatient surgery, <laughs> then you're going you, you're gonna to be in and out. Right? Amen. I know some of y'all are upset by this, but you, you don't own the pastor. I am a servant of Jesus. I am not a servant of the people. Jesus told me to serve the people, but I'm not a servant of the people. And there's been pastor abuse and people have this misunderstanding of what the pastor should be doing. And I remember that particular guy. I, I, I remember when he said we were standing right here and he said that. And I, I, in my heart, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, say, I don't know. And I said, I don't know. And I remember thinking, well, I left my last church. This is what he told me. I left my last church because pastor said he wouldn't come to the hospital and visit. But then out of the same breath, his family um, didn't have a car. 
Something happened. They didn't have a car. That church gathered together and bought them a car. But he left the church and that pastor because he said, I'm not coming to the hospital to visit you if you get in the hospital. Look, 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 look how immature, immature our thinking is in ways that we're expecting something that, that, that God never instructed or that the man of God ever even said. It'd be simply as you saying, well, I just believe Pastor Devon's going to come cut my grass. Brian, you say, I believe Pastor Devon's going to cut my grass. Well, if I never said that, <laughs> then you're believing for something that I never said and you're going to be disappointed because you had an expectation of the position that was not accurate. Truth be told, Brian, I don't even cut my own grass, so I'm definitely not coming to cut your grass. So <laughs> if you never said that, then, then you have no right. Now, if I said it, that's a totally different story. Now it's an integrity and character issue. Look at Numbers chapter 27, verse 16 and 17. Numbers chapter 27, verse 16 and 17. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, send a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep who have no shepherd or no pastor. There were, there were times, and I, the Lord just prompted me to say this, since we're talking about the hospital, Robert would tell you. Robert, Robert and I spent hours at the hospital with Miss Christine. Hours together at the hospital. I, go to, I was in the hospital three times this week. Some of you are thinking, well, he don't go. I, I go, but that man needed to know I may not go. And uh, just this past week, I was at the hospital. I, I'm in the hospital a lot. Don't think, well, he don't go. I do go. But don't go because you uh, expect me to come. Go because the Lord's sending me to go. And I'm going to go. And then you can be excited. Pastor's here. Well, I expect him to come. It's like this. Matter of fact, let me say this. This is just a little side note. But let, let me say this. If you expect nothing and appreciate everything, your life would be a whole lot much more better. If you expect nothing and appreciate, I'm talking about from people, not with God, expect things from God. But from people, if you expect nothing from people and then appreciate it, my wife makes my plate every single night. What a, what a wonderful woman. Get you a single guys, get you a nice woman like my wife. She makes my plate every day. And guess what I say every single day? Thank you. You know why? Because I, I appreciate it. I never, I never want to get to a point where I expect it to happen every night. I say thank you every night. And I tell her every night, this is the best dinner we've ever had. Every night. Every night. Why? Because I want to appreciate what she is doing. But if I got to the point, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're a woman and you're supposed to cook and you're supposed to get in that kitchen and I married you and so you can cook every night. And where my plate at? Get my plate on the table. I'm mad. We're getting a divorce. Why are you getting a divorce? Because she don't make my plate. And she's supposed to make my plate. And I, what, then, then you, you're an idiot. You're a fool. And she should leave you with that kind of attitude. Somebody say, expect nothing. Appreciate everything. Pastors, now in this verse in Numbers, we find out that a pastor will lead them in and lead them out. So a pastor will lead 
and a pastor will feed. A pastor will lead and a pastor would feed. Now understand, as the pastor is leading, you may not agree with where the pastor is leading. But if the pastor, if you trust him and you have given your life and you feel anointed and called to be a part of that ministry, then you must, if you don't agree, you must submit to the leadership. So the, there, there are two ways we can walk. We can walk in agreement where I say something that we're going to do and you say I agree and we do it. Or we can walk in submission where I say we're going to do something. You say I don't agree, but I'm going to submit and I'm going to do it. In, in our home, we do this in our home. This is why Paul in our marriage refresher coming up. I want to make sure y'all be here this Saturday, 9 a.m. Please let Danica know. Raise your hand, Danica, right there. Let her know if you're going to be here. It's free, but we need to know because there's something special happening that day and we need a head count of people. Uh, Stacey and I do this all the time. Uh, we walk in this agreement submission thing. And, and at some point, somebody's got to make a decision. Scripture tells us if you get into a, a situation where a decision cannot be made after much prayer and consideration, it says, wives, submit to your husband. Now, it doesn't say, wives, be a slave. It doesn't say, wives, bend over and do whatever your husband, you know, bend over backwards and, and act crazy and do whatever your, your husband tell you to do. If he say, go get me some cocaine, you go get it. That's not what the scripture says. No, it says, in matters of disagreement. And my wife will say this. We'll, we'll talk and we'll pray and we'll talk and we'll pray. And I'll say, I think we're supposed to do this. And she'll say, Devon, I don't agree. But I submit. And that's all scripture really asks us to do. You, we do the same thing in, in a church. Man, I don't agree with the direction pastor's going with this, but I'm going to submit to it. I don't agree, but I'm going to submit. But here's what most people do. I don't agree, so what do they do? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I don't agree. I'm out. Now, if a pastor begins to preach a theology that is unbiblical, Please exit the building as quickly as you can. If he begins to preach something like there is no hell and everybody's going to heaven and you don't need to get saved, there is a doctrine out there, by, by the way, that everybody's already saved and um, you don't need you don't need Jesus. I mean, he's already he's already done and everybody going to heaven. Nobody's going to hell. Get up out of that church. That is a doctrine that is false. But if he is endeavoring to hear from God and lead, man, I don't know where we're going, but I'm going to follow. Because I want to be in submission. The senior pastor sets and protects the vision and values of the church. The senior pastor sets and protects the vision and values of the church. Now, our particular church is a senior pastor led staff and volunteer run church. Let me say it again. We are a senior pastor led. So I don't have elders that are leading the church. I'm leading the church as the pastor. I do have a, we do have a board that makes sure things are going right and going well, but it's a senior pastor led. I don't have a committee telling me what to do. Thank God that is not the case. I'm leading the church under the unction of the spirit of God. I'm leading the church, but our church is being run by staff. And volunteers. So things that are happening in the management and the running of our church, there are people in place that will handle it. I'm not running. Do we have enough toilet tissues or not in the bathroom? I don't run that. 
I lead the church and, and we have a staff like you that help run the church, okay? We're a senior pastor-led staff and volunteer-run church. Look at 1 Peter 5, chapter 2 and verse 4. Something broke, broke out this week on the scriptures, just leaped off the pages that I want to share with you today. To give you a little background, Peter is preaching to a bunch of pastors. This is a pastor conference. And he's preaching to them and he says, shepherd or pastor the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now watch this. Shepherd the flock of God, serving as an overseer. Now this word overseer simply means someone who looks after you or cares for you. A person who cares for your soul. And so uh, you need a person that cares for your soul. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Willingly serving, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, excited about it. Nor being as lords or controlling. Don't be controlling over those entrusted to you. This is important. Notice they are entrusted to you. They are not your sheep. They are not, you are not my sheep. You are the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just and shepherd pastoring you, obeying God and pastoring you. I don't own you. Okay. I don't, just like you don't own me, I don't own you. And this is why some people, side note, some people get upset at pastors. Well, why is that pastor, you know, my goodness, why is he doing so well? And they get mad. I remember there was a, a particularly there was a guy in our, in our city who had got a, a nice house and people found out he had a nice big house and people were so mad about this man's nice big house. I mean, they were angry and they were mad. People were coming to me about it. He got, look at that big old house. It's the biggest house in the city. It's big, big, big. And I said, how much money did you give to, to him or his ministry? Nothing. Okay. Why do you care? And, and, and why? Okay. And, and someone said, well, I do support that ministry. He's got a big house. Uh, why do you, why do you care? Well, I mean, my money's going to the house. Your money's not going to that house. This man has written books. This man has made a lot of money. Well, why do you care? Well, uh, you know, well, he got a bigger house than me. Now we're getting to the issue. You own the pastor. You think you own him and he can do no better than you. God forbid that we have that attitude. Matter of fact, we need the pastor doing better than the car. No, no, you, you do. If, if a pastor's going to lead, do you want me driving a broke, busted and disgusted car, can't barely get to church, trying to get here and tell you God is going to bless you? You'd be looking at me like, man, pastor, gosh, man. I came in here with raggedy shoes and raggedy clothes. I'm saying, God is a good God. You'd be like, what is he up there doing? But there are many people. They want their pastor looking raggedy and broke. Why? It's a control issue. They want to control. They want to own that pastor. I remember one particular time, you guys got me on this, but I was a small kid and we were in a, a denominational church. And that the pastor of that particular church, I went to a meeting with my mom and I was probably was 10, 11. And he needed to borrow some money from the church 
in order, and he was going to pay him back a month, like he needed to float some money. How many needed to float some money before? Come on, somebody. Oh, not many people here? Okay, wow, prosperous church. You need to float some money? Well, I have, okay? I need to get some money floating. I mean, I need a little money now, and I'll give it back to you next week. This is what he asked the church. I need, I need a little money from the savings account. They had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the savings account. I need a little money from the savings account, and I just need to float it, and I'll pay you back next week. You know what they said? No. No, you can't do that. This is this, that, and the third. And I remember being a little kid, and I remember getting in the car and asking my mom about it. And mom said that was that was very, very mean what they did, what, what they did to the pastor. I mean, mean. Why? It's controlling. This is why we are a senior pastor-led church. And we are run by staff and volunteers with a board and a financial team that makes sure things are in line. But um, people want to own the pastor, and that ought not be you. Now watch this. Let's get back to 1 Peter chapter 5. He says that we're not to be controlling over the people. Don't be lords over the people. But he says, but be an example to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. There is a special crown for pastors. It's called the crown of glory. And I want to be a candidate for that crown of glory. Now, look at this. He says, be an example to the flock. This jumped off the pages to me. Not only should a pastor lead, not only should a pastor feed, but a pastor should be an example to the flock. Good pastors lay down their life to serve willingly and eagerly. A pastor's life should be a real-life example of how to walk in your daily life. My life should be an example and set a precedent for you to be modeled and imitated. A pastor should be an example, a model to you that says, you know what, the word says that, and I see my pastor walking in that, therefore I can do it too. An example. We should be an example to the, to our local body of Christ, our local community, our local congregation, our local flock as an example to you of how you should live your life, how you should walk your life, how you should be a part of this Christian walk. An example. Um, if you go to, first, I'm not going to take time to turn there, but in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says there that if you want to be a bishop, and read this on your own, the whole chapter of 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to be a bishop, he says that there are a, a laundry list of qualifications to become a bishop or a leader of the local church. And if you go through it, it says, you know, not greedy and, and hospitable and and, uh, it, it, you know, not uh, all type of things, not not drunk with wine, be able to handle money correctly. It, you know, all, people on the outside should speak good of you and so on and so forth. A lot of laundry lists. Only one time in that list does it say apt to teach. They should have the ability to teach every other thing that was said was a character trait or a character representation of the leader. Everything was about his or her character. 
What we do today is we we don't care about the character. We just follow someone's ability to teach. And so we have we have pastors now that have been sleeping around with people in the church that are caught with other other um, women that are stealing. And these people have thousands of people showing up to their to them every week. And they've been caught with all type of characters. Now, pause. I'm not asking people to be perfect. There are mistakes. I, I'm, I'm not perfect. I can make a mistake. Right. Um, hopefully, as an example of making a mistake, I show you how to walk through how to handle when you make a mistake. But we look at someone's apt or their ability to teach and think, "Woo, that's a powerful pastor. And we forget all of the character issues that are there. I'm asking you, when you look for a pastor, you need someone that has char- that has a character over a period of time. To say, okay, this man or this woman of God has been doing it at a high level over a period of time. And they are uh, an example to me and my family as to how to walk this life. It is imperative that the pastor is an example to you. A good example. An example that you would want to follow. I briefly listened to, and yeah, you can come, Christy. I briefly listened to a, a particular uh, pastor. I'm not going to tell you where he was or anything like that. He had got caught uh, cheating on his wife with a lady in the church in the bushes. He was running because the, the lady's husband, this is ridiculous stuff now. The lady's husband came home. He jumped out the one that was in the bushes, running around, whatever, got caught. Everybody know this right now, got caught. He got up in the pulpit. And he said, um, I am the man of God. And just like you don't ask the mailman about his character, you just want the mail delivered. I am delivering God's message to you. Don't worry about what I do. It's the I've delivered God's mail. And the people said, hallelujah. No, 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 that's that's wrong. And that's not what you should be looking for. Look for someone that can be an example to you. Someone that you can pattern your life after. Someone that has results and you can say, wow, God did it for them. God can help me by connecting with them. Do it for me too. Come on, somebody. You need a pastor and that pastor should be an example to you. Will you put your hands together for Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Glory be to God. Stand to your feet and just for a moment, lift up your hands. Thank God for good leadership. Thank God for for good pastors. There's uh, all the pastors. I've had four pastors in my life and all of them are still in the ministry, serving God, doing well. Glory to God. Thank God for good pastors. As a matter of fact, I I got an email Uh, this week about a pastor that when I was a teenager, they were celebrating 50 years of marriage. 50 years. Glory to God. And they were like, you know, we're celebrating. I said, man, we're we're sowing some seed. And we sent some seed to them after celebrating 50 years of marriage. And I hadn't seen that man since I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. But he's still going strong, still loving his wife, still serving the Lord. This, there are good pastors out there. And you need one of them. 
You need a pastor. Don't get caught up with just listening to podcasts. Those are good, but that's not like pastoring. Don't get caught up in just watching something on TV. It's good, but it's not like pastoring. You need a pastor. Come on, lift your hands up again. Father, just thank God for good leadership, good pastors. Thank you, Lord. You are sheep that need a pastor. You you can go astray, but a pastor will, will pull you back in. A pastor will say, hey, I see you. I see you moving astray. I see you going. Oh, be, be, be flexible. Be flexible. Be teachable. Be, be moldable. You need pastoring. All right, look at me. There was one particular time we had a man in our church and he was, he was doing some things that he ought not be doing. I prayed about it and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to address it. So I went to him face to face. And uh, I, one of the things I think, I think that if you're going to be in any endeavor, whether it's business, owners, entrepreneurship, political leaders, whatever it might be, you got to have something on the inside of you that's not afraid of confrontation. <laughs> you got to be able to address issues. And so I went to him. I said, man, this, that, and the third is going on. And I laid it on him, man, in a loving way. I laid it on him. And I thought he was going to get mad and leave the church. I said, man, he's going to get mad and leave. But the Lord told me that I got to address this in this particular person's life. Now, he got defensive like we all do. He got real defensive. But then he started crying. And he said, thank you, because I didn't see it. And then he called me the next day and he thanked me again. I didn't see that in my life. Thank you. Thank you. That's what pastoring is about. It's, it's, there, is, there is a form of correction that comes with it. You might need to be rebuked. <laughs> and it comes with the position. But you need that. You need it. I have, I, I have pastors in my life. I, I need them to say, man, I, I want, I, you need to be corrected on this and that and the third. That needs to be right. You don't need to be controlling but you do need to be corrected. Come on, thank God. Lift your hands one more time. Thank God. Thank God for correction. Because correction gives us direction. Uh, uh, the, whom, whom, whom a child, whom God loves, he disciplines. He, he corrects. Matt, come on up here. Thank God for correction. Next week, I think we're going to talk about why do we need a church? The importance of being a part of community. And we're going to get into it as well. I love you guys. I love you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I love you. Uh, it is my joy to be your pastor. I do it eagerly. I do it willingly. I, the, the best part of the job is studying so I can feed you. That's the best part of the job is to, find, to hear a word from God, to hear from God, bring it to you, and then hear from you and take your problems, your worries, your concerns and take it to God. That's the best part of my job. My wife and I say it all the time. We say, when we lay in the bed, we, we, we say, we don't talk about church business when we lay down. What we talk about is take the people's problems to God. And we'll say, she'll tell me, I talked to someone so that in this going on, let's take it to God right now. God, you know what's going on in their life. That's what a pastor should be doing. Taking your problems to God and taking God's word. Amen. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www 
www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.